Hello and welcome to the Uneducated Rugby Podcast, um, a week which has covered all areas of rugby. We've had games, not many, but we've had games. Um, we've had one of the biggest sagas, um, ongoing saga that is still going on to this day. Um, it's a really sad thing because for the first time in two or three years, I was actually really, really excited for regional rugby. Following on from what was an incredible autumn and especially that final weekend of the autumn that we we were so excited about, I was looking forward to regional rugby again. And it's fallen flat. It's fall, had this really, really toxic and bitter taste in the mouth now. Um, Luce... We, how excited were you looking forward to this weekend with the or last weekend with the fixtures that were going on and how do you feel about it now? Yeah, I was excited actually. Um, I think coming into this coming season, I was looking forward to seeing how the South African teams would come up against um, the Pro 14 then. Um, and it was delivering as the weeks were going on because the results were getting a bit more unpredictable the South, Afri- South African teams were developing, they were growing into the competition. So now this was their chance to play from home. And yeah, it, then it all began. Yeah. Um, I think the best thing is to give a timeline for anyone that's been living under a rock over the yeah, last yeah. 10 days in uh, rugby. They'd missed up. Yeah, so a week last Sunday, following on from Wales, Australia, Cardiff Rugby flew out to South Africa to play in South Africa. Um, They were going to have two weeks out there, likewise the Scarlets, likewise Zebra and Munster, to play against two of the South African sides each. Cardiff decided to go minus a few internationals. I think there were six internationals altogether, the likes of Willis Halaholo, Josh Adams, Sev Davis, Dylan Lewis didn't fly because of the amount of games they'd played for Wales. Scarlets then flew out a few days later, flew out with their full complement of players, uh, including the Welsh internationals. On Thursday, there was the announcement that the Omicron variant of COVID-19, which is, you know, we all are accustomed with that by now, had uh, struck and had caused the, uh, the UK government to make a decision that South Africa was going to be placed on a red list. As a result, um, if you flew back from South Africa, you would have to isolate for 10 days. So therefore, there was a mad rush. The, the regions, including the Irish sides, tried to make an effort to fly back to the UK before that 12 o'clock noon deadline in order to avoid isolation, yeah, frankly. But yeah, I think it was 4am um, on Sunday if they got back before they could self-isolate at home. Uh, but if it was after the 4am, they'd have to self-isolate in a hotel with no access to uh, um, maybe gym equipment, um, the outdoors, just um, standard food. Yeah. Um, it's it, it was an awkward situation to begin with. I think there's a really good piece on it on scrum five podcast if you want to listen to all that it's brilliant this week um basically i think there was a decision made all four teams decided to plug together to get a flight together um as they're about to travel on the flight cardiff realize as they're getting on the bus oh no we've got covid cases so they turn around they head straight back to the hotel 
think they had two COVID cases initially. Months to make it as far as the airport. They then realise they've got COVID cases. They're stuck at the airport. Uh, Zebra and um, Scarlet make their way home. And I put home in inverted commas because home isn't home for Scarlet. Scarlet have had to isolate in Ireland. Um, That is due to the fact that there are no COVID hotels in Wales a matter that has been discussed several times with the Welsh Government. So Scarlet's flew to Dublin. They have then travelled to Belfast on, a, I think it's a safe uh, bus. Yeah, yeah, in the early hours of the morning as well. Yeah, to, self, to self-isolate in, in that hotel. Yeah. It's, it's horrific for them, but in yeah. this whole scenario, they are actually the side, bar Zebra, who have travelled back to Italy, which ironically, despite the COVID cases out there, somehow the... The restrictions are less, so they can fly straight back. Um, I don't quite get that, but let's move on. <laughs> let's move on and let's focus on Scarlet for a bit. For them, the scenario is quite straightforward because they have to isolate in Dublin for ten, uh, in Belfast for ten days. They then can travel back to Scarlet or Llanelli or wherever they live, and they will then be able to play. Yeah. The issue with that is these are players that haven't played in such a long time. And there have been statements, various statements that have come out recently. Luce, do you want to give the statement out that came out today? It was about seven hours ago. Yeah, a statement came out today regarding the game against Bristol. That's meant to be taking place on the 11th of December. Um, so Scarlett can confirm that other than the 32 players in quarantine in Belfast, they currently have 14 fit players training internationally. Seven of those 14 players are members of the senior squad, while the other seven are on development co- um, contracts. Um, the chairman, Simon Murderak, then added to that, we are not coming out of quarantine until December the 10th, and a lot of these boys in Belfast haven't played a game of rugby since October the 22nd. So those who haven't been part of the international um, setup, um, EPCR has got to look at player welfare here. Without the thirty-two players in quarantine, we'd have to play development players and academy players. Some of them just out of school in the first season of senior rugby, as well as semi-pro players who juggle their rugby commitments with full-time work and put them against a quality side like Bristol. They wouldn't be good for the integrity of the competition or those individuals. The rest of the statement um, can be seen on all social media platforms um, released by the Scarlet. But um, I think many people think um, that there are fair points on those on that statement. Yeah, they are indeed. And look, th- there is this stigma, obviously, that, you know, you know these are professional sports people, you know, they, they're in a hotel, it's not that bad, you know, you're getting paid huge amounts of money, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, now, let's look at it, the facts of it are, these are professional sports athletes who are spending 10 days where they can do minimal sport activities. You know, I was listening to this, the, the Scrum 5 podcast again, just talk about endorphins and the, the the sort of the impact that that has on raising body, um, yeah. raising mindfulness and all these sort of things and making you feel in in a steady state. 
Whereas they're now in continual flux. They're not having their regular exercise, be it just chatting to their mates in a, on the field or everything is completely different. You can't then expect those players to come out of isolation on the 10th of December and immediately play on the 11th. So, yeah. as a result, there have been discussions between different clubs and between the Scarlets and Ospreys now for the Ospreys to loan players to the Scarlets. Um, I I personally find it a really weird situation because I really miss the rivalry that there was between Swansea and the Scar- and Llanelli back in the day. You know, I, I miss that fierce rivalry. And I know these are exceptional situations, but it doesn't quite sit well with me to see players being loaned from one place to the other. It's not it's not an ideal situation. Um Yeah. It is a bit odd. Um but we are in desperate needs at the moment. Um and it's actually it, obviously it's not it's not the circumstances we wanted to see this happen, but it's nice how the Welsh regions are coming together. Yes. There is a somewhat band of brothers attitude being approached by the Welsh regions, which is good to see. Um, mm. I think they are feeling rather let down by various yeah. atti- uh, avenues, be it the Welsh government, which have been attacked fairly, fairly strongly, actually, by Cardiff rugby predominantly, it must be said. I think the URC as well has come under uh, quite a lot of yeah. flack. Um, I think the WIU has also been questioned because, I, from my understanding, um, it was Munster that had arranged the flight to come back to the to to the UK or to to Ireland, not uh, the Welsh regions. Despite there being two Welsh regions out there, they weren't getting as much support from the WIU. Um, obviously, that's I must say that is conjecture and hearsay. I, I haven't. I'm not experiencing myself, luckily. Um, yeah. So. So the the situation for the Scarlet is that they will try and play this game against Bristol. That's the current situation as far as we understood. However, there has been a since a statement from Scarlet basically pleading with the EPCR to change this game, isn't there? Um, Luce, yeah, even, you... even if it is a few days, just to give those players currently isolating. Because I think they can have, is it 10 minutes worth of time outside in the car park at the moment individually? Yeah, that's all the time outside the having. So, I can't imagine mental health situations what's going on right now. But they're expected to come out of isolation at the moment on the Friday, fly to Bristol, I guess, straight away, and play the next day. It's it's not. Oh, it 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 it's not doable. If it's, it's no. the, is the frank situation, and even. Even if it was doable mentally, it's not going to be doable physically. These players have not yeah, trained the in ten of days. Yeah, yeah. yeah the it, chances of injuries is so high. Injuries, bod, their body tone will be completely different. You yeah. know, we're not we're not professional athletes. You know, Luce, you keep yourself in good nick. I may be less so. <laughs> I, you know, so I think if we were in a hotel, it would be a very different situation. Um, do Do you want to read a br- brief bit of that statement that was yesterday? Um, from Scarlet's Rugby, they they did plead to the EPCR quite, quite, in quite strong terms, actually. This came out yesterday, again, on um, Scarlet's social media. Um, so this statement begins with, um, Scarlet's of today received a letter from John Bowden, the Welsh Government's Deputy Minister for Arts and Sport, 
confirming that they must see out the remainder of the COVID-19 quarantine period in Belfast. The travelling party of 47 have been at the government-managed facility since early Monday morning following the return from South Africa. I will complete the designated 10-day isolation period in Northern Ireland, which ends on Friday, 10th, December the 10th. Since the decision was made for the group to return from South Africa, we have been in continual discussions with the Welsh Government about completing our quarantine in Wales, but have been told that current legis- legislation makes this option impossible because this because there is no quarantine facility in Wales. And I think that's the important bit. There are no COVID hotels in Wales. And this has been something that Cardiff Rugby especially have questioned. Um, there was a briefing by Aline Morgan last week. Um, the phrase that she used... Well, there were two two phrases that were used. There were no exceptions, and there were also bringing our boys home. Now, those two phrases have been called into <laughs> rather question, particularly by Cardiff Rugby. Um, the the last phrase I can't stand. I must, as a person, my personal opinion, bringing our boys home is beyond patronising. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah. For those lads out there, it must be pretty horrific. Um, and for all the families back home, it must... Yeah, it's not even just those men. It's the, it's the impact on the families. Christmas is coming up. So many of our young kids. It's just a knock-on effect. And, well, at the moment, the issue, especially for Cardiff, isn't getting any better you just have no idea what they're all going through. No. And i got to be honest, the, the the way it's phrased is it just appears really disingenuous. The, yeah. the bringing our boys home doesn't come across well, I must be honest. But that's, that's, by the by, the criticism that's been directed at them is that for Cardiff especially, it's a lot more difficult, difficult and complicated. So... At the time that we're currently recording this, we're recording this at Thursday at four, half four in the afternoon, and it'll probably change by the time you listen to this, but there are six COVID cases in camp with Cardiff Rugby. Um, so from my understanding, they will have to spend 14 days in self-isolation, those six individuals, yeah. in South Africa. The remainder of the squad is allowed to travel back to the UK, and it will be, I think, to Dublin, from my understanding, uh, Dublin and then Belfast, in a similarly to yeah. Scarlet, from my understanding. But again, with that, it was Munster in the first place um, that made that happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, uh, from my understanding, so that's that's the difficulty. Um, Cardiff... Those players that will fly back, they will then have to spend 10 di- days in isolation in the UK, which will take them over the game that they're meant to be hosting to lose. So they're in an even more strange situation. There is no way that those players will be able to play because they will be in isolation. Cardiff was supposed to fly back this morning. That flight was delayed due to the fact that 
Um, I think there have been more and more restrictions on U- on flights into the UK from South Africa imposed by the UK government, obviously. These restrictions meant that there wasn't a slot available for that flight to land. We, we, so you book the flight, their end, all of sorted, they thought, no, no ability for it to land in the UK. It has led to some rather strongly worded statements. I'm not going to get into the Matthew Morgan situation. I feel... I feel for all the players involved. Yeah. He's clearly lashed out. High. Yeah, he's clearly lashed out. It's happened. I really think that needs to be put by the by. Yes, he has lashed out. Some people, I know particularly some South African journalists, have come out and said, look, to call it being dragged out to South Africa is completely wrong. And I can understand that situation as well. I can understand both sides. But I think it's important to say... There was a tweet that came out by Rhys Bloomberg, the chief operating officer from Cardiff Rugby, in response to Aline Ed Morgan and the Welsh Government, uh, saying that it was absolutely appalling empathy and support shown by Welsh Government with regards to Cardiff Rugby staff who are stuck in South Africa. No special treatment requested, just support to get them back on Welsh soil so they can start their quarantine. It's, it's a situation where it's become bitter, it's become rather toxic, it's become, but primarily it's become horrible for the players and families. I I can only wish that they get back as soon as possible. There's not much more to say, really. I It does feel that the governments are a little bit constrained by the fact you can't show special treatment and if you show special treatment is that going to be attacked to our families that are are stuck in South Africa which I'm sure there are plenty of families stuck out there and wanting to get back for Christmas they won't be able to get back how do you treat those with the same level as you would a sports team but do you feel that there is a case to be made that there should be special treatment for the sport sportsmen and women out there and, and staff? They didn't choose to go out there. As in, these games were meant to be played in Italy. But it was maybe a month ago they decided, um, oh, South African teams will have their home games at home, um, which obviously would have been brilliant for them. But <laughs> there's a global pandemic going on. It was a really good idea in the first place. It it's an awkward one. I think yeah, I, I know. There's definitely an opinion to be made that a cross continent or intercontinent tournament should not be going on during a global pandemic, and I think that that is that is the opinion of a lot of people, and certainly people who are currently stuck in South Africa probably have those opinions, or the families of those stuck in South Africa. Um, I can't really give that opinion myself because I realise how hypocritical that would be then after an autumn autumn internationals, which were phenomenal, where we had teams coming from all across all continents. You know, New Zealand travelled to USA. We had South American sides travelling up. So I can't, with good faith, make that statement. Um, But I can empathise completely that that is a feeling of sheer frustration that this has happened in the manner that it has in the situation that we had before the Omicron variant was discovered. Um, mm. 
you know, l- l- let's look at the fact as well. It's not two little sides coming to play Cardiff the weekend after. You know, we, we are talking about Toulouse, European champions. I think they're French champions as well. And Harlequins, English champions. They're the two sides that, <laughs> that Cardiff will have to play with a depleted side. I think um, you've seen a side that were rumoured to play playing. I'm just going to name a couple of the names that are likely to feature in that side because there are so many players out for Cardiff. You're going to have the likes of possibly Dan Fish, Josh Dan Adams. Back. Yeah, Dan Fish back after his yeah, retirement. Sorry, can we, yeah, can we mention Dan Fish? Um, he retired, was it three games ago? And then he came <laughs> back the game after because of injuries and he might make another return. In fact, like, what a career for <laughs> Yeah, he's having one hell of a swan song. That's definitely the case. You know, So Dan Fish may play Josh Adams and Willis Hollow. That's a strong provisional centre partnership. Yeah. The likes of Teo Cabango may may make his first appearance, yeah, I think. Which actually would be really exciting. Really exciting, yeah. yeah. Because um, for listeners who aren't aware of um, Teo Cabango, he is the brother of um, Ben Cabango, who plays for um, Swansea City um, and has featured for Wales um, in football. He's a youngster that's definitely up and coming. It's very quick. And this actually might be, I know Toulouse are, well, the reigning champions, one of the biggest team in Europe, but you know what? It'd be a good run around for them. Yeah, it's it's a good opportunity, and particularly for those backs, you know, the likes of Thomas Williams, Jason Tovey, that, that's, that's a really reasonably strong back line. Yeah, it is, yeah. And they will have the likes of Ellis Jenkins, Ollie Robinson, possibly James Botham if he's back, Seb and Dillon in the pack. My issue with this and the worry that does need to be stated and why people are so worried about it is there is a health and safety concern. Mm. And I know these are all rugby players and, you know, semi-professional, professional rugby players. and But there is a huge gap between the semi-professional game and the professional game in Wales across the globe. And particularly they have a huge gap from academy to the professional game. Now, we were on a refereeing course a couple of months ago and a case that was talked to us about was of a young prop who was up and coming. There was huge talks about him coming through the academies. He then played for one of the local premiership sides, the semi-professional sides, and was absolutely destroyed by the opposition prop. And there was a health and safety concern because the prop was in such a bad way, struggling against the opposition that that had to be considered. When you've got these huge scrums, and it's going to be a huge front row for Toulouse, yeah, I think, will, yeah. you know, Charlie Farmerina has been playing for them. I think he's still there. Those sort of players, it's not fair. And there has to be a health and safety concern of throwing 18, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds up against these lads. I don't think that can be done. So I do think there should be a case to say, look, we need to pause these games it's not our fault that there's been an issue we can't help it we've flown out to a situation which we didn't know what the situation was before we arrived we arrived in that situation we can't do anything about it I think the worst case scenario was what happened last season you know last season was a farce I I, I state that without any you know the whole Scarlet Bath Toulon situation was beyond belief where you know Scarlet's played Bath one weekend 
they then discovered they had COVID cases. Scarlets isolated the individual, but were still cleared to play. We're going to play the following weekend. Bath weren't allowed to play the following weekend. Bath took a forfeit. Toulon then fly over on the Thursday, decide on the Friday they don't want to play, fly home. Therefore, Toulon forfeit. That sort of situation can't happen in the European Cup again because that was ridiculous. Um, Where Scarlets get two victories when, let's be frank, they were the ones at fault for having a COVID case, if you're going to blame anyone for getting COVID. Yeah... Yeah, <laughs> I know I get where you're coming from completely, but regards of the health and safety as well, these um, academy players, these young players, semi-professionals, um, they, they're not even prepared because they still don't even know what's going on. And these games are happening in just over a week. Like, there's no preparation going on. Yeah, of course, I'm guessing they are training, but... How can you prepare? It's such a little time to play for the Scarlets against Bristol and then for Cardiff against Toulouse. That's a worry. But then, um, if you flip that, Toulouse is going to be the biggest match of the season for Cardiff. And the money that Incan that's going to bring to the club is going to be massive. Um, plus, I think maybe unusual, usually, if a lot of your star players won't be there. A crowd will usually appear, but the fact that I think so many people want to support their club right now with what's going on, um, sh- yeah, showing that support, I think these supporters will go to that game. Yeah. It- um, and that will show, yeah, the whole um, rugby community of Cardiff, of Scarlets, but is it the right option? Well, we, we can't say, really. No, um, we can't say. Um, I was listening to someone talking about Munster doing it. And uh, just to explain the Munster situation, I think 34 players and staff have returned home to Ireland now where they will have to quarantine for 10 days. I think they arrived back yesterday. There are 14 others remaining in quarantine in South Africa, uh, players and staff. So they will have to quarantine there for 14 days before flying back and having their remaining 10 days um you know Munster I I can't believe this but Munster have got a real issue at back row which I never thought would be the case because Munster have got such strength and depth in that back row there are also talks of the front row as we talked previously you know scrums are going to be an issue um with young players going in there but it would not surprise me at all if Munster managed to get a result against Wasps because that is what Munster do they if their backs to the wall they do turn out these phenomenal performances and that will be the hope that Cardiff and Scarlets can perform. And that's what we've got to hope. We've got to look to the future and hope that those things can happen. Um, I think we've tackled this as well as we can. Like I say, things will be changing all the time. Hopefully Cardiff can get home tomorrow. I think that's the aim for them. And I wish them all the best in getting on that flight and getting back to uh, safer climate in the UK. And hopefully these players who are quarantining now um, in South Africa to get home back to the UK um, as quickly as possible after those 14 days, as safely as possible. Yes, indeed. Um, I think we'll move forward now. Move forward to move back, back to the future. Um, And let's talk about last weekend's games, because they were four games. And in fairness, they were pretty good games, really. Yeah, they were, yeah. You know, Connacht, Ospreys was a good game. 
in you know conditions dictated how that went a little bit. Osprey's defence a little bit as well. Benetton Glasgow was a very tight game. Nineteen eighteen, Benetton won that one. Dragons Edinburgh was was a good game. Some really good tries in that one as well. And then Leinster losing at home to Ulster, ten points to twenty, which is something you very rarely see. Um, let's let's start with Connacht Ospreys. Uh, Connacht won forty six eighteen. I watched that game and basically Ospreys were taught a lesson how yeah. to play in the conditions in Ireland, which are or specifically Galway. Um, it was you know, Storm Arwen and all those sort of things. Also, let's let's iterate this Storm Arwen. <laughs> I'm fed up with yeah. hearing. Storm Arwen. Storm Arwen is driving me nuts. <laughs> don't know yeah, if anyone else. I don't know, but <laughs> there should have been a pronunciation guide to follow it because it's driving me nuts that it's not Storm Arwen. <laughs> but let's. Um, Connacht did teach Ospreys a lesson, particularly Mac Hansen, who was brilliant. I know um, yeah. the our friends at Rugby Connection Pod were losing their minds, and because um, they they're big fans of his. Um, they just ran it back from everywhere in the first half because they were up against the wind, into the wind. Osprey seemed surprised that Connacht were doing that and seemed to leave gaping holes, struggled defensively. That 10-12 seam seemed to struggle. Um, but second half, I thought Ospreys then had had to do so much defending, I think they just tired. What What did you make of that performance? Well, considering the conditions, Connacht were phenomenal. They played so well. Um, they like maybe stated as the weakest team in Ireland, the weakest region. And you know what? Well, they scored a lot of points um, against Ospreys, but they they played so well. Like the handling skills with the weather, they could have easily been dropping the ball so many times. But they, it it felt like it wasn't really raining for them, or the wind wasn't that bad. Um, because they they played so well, and they can definitely compete in this um in this tournament now. I think. Yeah, def- uh, definitely. I think defensively they were very secure, much more secure than the Ospreys were. They were getting yards here, there, and everywhere. I thought their back row was superb. Let's let's mention it because I was fuming at the time. Um, there is one of the worst refereeing decisions at the end of the first half I've ever seen. I don't. I, I'm not going to blame the referee um, for the for the performance because Ospreys were bad defensively on that day. But how there is not a card for the challenge on Sam Cross? You know he's gone up for the ball in the line out and then someone's come through his lifters. I know Ospreys are holding him on a little bit longer in the year, but they've come straight through the lifters and he's landed on his upper back at the yeah. best, really. Um, it, it wasn't even looked at, wasn't it? Wasn't officially looked at. I no. I didn't understand how that wasn't a card. Then Elvis Tony goes on a little rumble, gets the two yards from the try line, and has the ball stripped from him on the floor, clear as day. But in the conditions, it probably was quite difficult to spot for the referee. In fairness, although there's part of me that does feel maybe common sense should have prevailed in the sense of how has that ball come out there? Probably isn't legal. Um, but yeah, as I say. That's not, not to take any way, anything away from Connacht. Connacht were the, the superior side and fully deserved their victory. A um, couple of uh, consolation tries for uh, Luke Morgan, nice breakaway try, and Joe Hawkins for the Ospreys. And um, let's bang the yeah. drum again. You, you yeah, were going to mention it. Yeah, <laughs> Go well, on. Yeah, what did I text you at the end of the game? I think there's one positive from that game. And 
I asked you, what, what is it? Uh, what did you come back with? Jack Morgan. There we go. <laughs> he was brilliant. I, you know, we we do bang the drum. I realise this is a well-oiled, well, well-repeated sort of theme we keep on saying, but he is phenomenal. Fully deserves all That's the credit he's getting. He was brilliant. Pretty much the only yeah. guy giving front front football for the Ospreys in, the, in that second half. So fully deserves I all the praise he gets. I think especially that um, his top supporters by now. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> Us first and family second, probably, at the moment. Um, let's move on to Dragons. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Dragons let Edinburgh get a lead with a couple of very nice tries for Edinburgh. Edinburgh played very well. Um, and then Dragons got back into it. A couple of nice tries. Good try for Sam Davis and a try for Jonah Holmes. But they just let the game get away from them in the second half, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, it was tight at one point, and then um, Edinburgh were just building the points and came away with quite a comfortable victory in the end. Yeah, it was quite comfortable. Um, I realise now I'm, I'm starting to have a bit of a humble pie a week comment and the humble pie this week has to go out to Connacht and Edinburgh. I predicted victories for Ospreys and Dragons and they both came away with comfortable bonus point victories uh, against the Welsh regions. Luce, you did predict Edinburgh victory. I, I can did, see you punching yeah. the sky there. The one other thing we do need to mention from Welsh rugby on the weekend is the try that has gone viral from oh, uh, Bridgend. Uh, Ed Howley's try for Bridgend against Swansea where he's caught the ball inside his own half. He's then chipped it, uh, well, into the opposition half. It's bounced back quite horribly and he's basically halted his run, prepared for it, and know, knowing full well the laws, he's headed the ball forwards and collected it the other side to score into the sticks. I think it was a 79th minute winner for them. Um, yeah, and it's totally legal. Totally legal. You can't knock on the ball with your head. I will say, though, Luce... I know everyone's losing their mind and sort of really happy about the fact that it's good skill, it's clever play. Yeah, go on. Does it sit well with you? Um, <laughs> um, I haven't really thought about this. What if every single player starts doing that now? My, my issue with it is, is it in the spirit of the game, would be my question. And that's the only way I think you could penalise that in the current laws, in that he has never attempted to catch that ball yeah. and he's headed the ball onwards. Now, rugby is not a game played with a head. It's a game... Play- well, <laughs> well, it is, but not, not the outside of the head anyway. Um, yeah. But it's a game played with the hands and the boot. So... Is it in the spirit of the game to do that action or is intentionally doing that action, should he be penalised for it? I think there's a question to be asked. Currently in, in the laws of the game, it's completely legal, genius bit of play, and I've got absolutely no issues with him doing it. I just think moving forward, there's a question to be asked there that maybe if we see it in a bigger game, perhaps. I was going to say, yeah, maybe if it was in a more professional game, but as in um, the URC or Europe or the English um, Premiership, I think that would be different. Um, but it's a fact that it's just pretend. That's why it's gone viral as well. It's just a, a bloke that's probably a plumber or something <laughs> done that. <laughs> I I will say, if that's Australia-England... 
World Cup quarterfinal or something like that, there is a law change after that game. Oh, yeah. Especially if the person committing the offence is Australian. I'm just going to put that one out there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's move on. Let's look forward to next week's fixtures. So the fixtures that are in question are Sharks are playing Bulls, making... The South African teams are making use of that postponed games to play each other. So Sharks will play Bulls, um, Stormers will play Lions, Edinburgh Benetton, Leinster Connacht, Ospreys Ulster and Glasgow Dragons. It's going to be a tough game for the Dragons out in Glasgow. I think that's definitely going to be the case. Glasgow, you know... They Glasgow had a... aren't having the best of seasons, though. They're not. They're not, by any shape of the they're imagination. Standard, yeah. Yeah, um, but they're still going to be a strong side especially at home yeah they they tend to get the win when they play at home um even this season they haven't been great but they have been winning tight games at home so what do you think do you think dragons will do it or not i i don't see a win for the dragons this time i must be honest i i think they'll struggle against glasgow i suspect glasgow will be back to near full strength um which will make it tough for Dragons out there. Um, Ospreys, Ulster. Ospreys need to bounce back, need to bounce back big time. Um, They will be at home to Ulster, who had a great victory out in Leinster. Look, if the weather's bad (laughs) and Stephen Myler kicks his kicks... Yeah, it's not meant to be bad. I know. I I might do a rain dance. I said that before <laughs> Connacht Ospreys. The the weather was bad. Ospreys lost significantly. Um, I yeah, they they need to uh, they do need to bounce back. Obviously, Ulster have just beaten Leinster, which is a massive result for them. So their confidence is going to be out of this world at the moment. Um, it is hard to go and win. Um, at Swansea.com stadiums. That still doesn't seem that actual to me. Um, <laughs> but Munster found it really hard to go there and beat them. They didn't. So it's going to be tough for us, I think. But Ospreys need to be so much better than they were against Connor. They weren't at their best, no. Um, I think they need to improve that seam, the 10 12 seam, um, which was a little bit lacking last weekend. Um, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to this weekend. All the best to to Cardiff and Scarlet and Munster in their isolation periods. Um, I realise this has been a rather dour pod. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, uh, lots of lots of really tough things going on. So hopefully this weekend we can have some great rugby. Look forward to it in the URC and uh, then be looking forward to Europe the weekend after. Uh, yeah. Thanks very much for listening and uh, so long. Bye.